Welcome once again to the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Brelos. This is episode seven. Well, I was sitting around and I was wondering what we we're gonna talk about today and then it hit like a fist. Sunday breaking everywhere. 12 of the biggest clubs in Europe were gonna break off, possibly joined by an additional three to make their own Super League. Preposterous, how could this happen? It did. Will it succeed? Will it happen overall? We will discuss here, joining me in the business end, Mauricio Pedrosa of ESPN Deportes and the hit show Ahora o Nunca with my former podcast partner, Hercules Gomez. We'll talk every detail about the Super League. Will you watch it? Why are people all in a tizzy? And what's going to happen next? What will it affect moving forward? And it certainly will have that. We'll also discuss what happened in the opening weekend of Major League Soccer, as well as take a closer look at the big game between Club America and Cruz Azul in Liga MX. We need your support. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast. It makes a huge difference and it helps us grow our audience. So now, without further ado, it's the Soccer OG. We are back here on the Soccer OG, and what a day. What a day. You know, I was sitting on my computer, and there's days like this that I won't forget. And make no mistake, what has happened with the Super League and these 12, possibly 15 teams breaking off from the rest of Europe to put their clubs first ahead of everything else is revolutionary. This is a game changer. And when I was at my computer seeing all the news unfurl, and it was everything. It went from it's going to happen to all of a sudden they had a website up already. Then news that the Champions League was going to get canceled or postponed. Then the World Cup would not allow players to participate who participated in this Super League. It was beyond weird. It reminded me of that day. When we're on our computers, and of course you have to be a soccer fan to appreciate the news of the Super League. I get that. It reminded me of when they got Osama Bin Laden. Remember all these, these news reports? They didn't say much. Something big was happening. Like, what? What is it? And then all this sort of news came in and out. And all of a sudden, The, the Rock comes in and says they got Bin Laden. And we're like, whoa. It's like one of those things you remember exactly what you're doing and where you were. This could affect everything. And I... I there's a lot. It, there's a lot at play here. Uh, there's a lot of interesting parties involved. I've been listening to. I mean, a lot of folks affiliated with Manchester United. Rio Ferdinand had choice words, and then Gary Neville, and they're talking about the end of football. And I'm like, really, really. You know, there's these blurred lines about this gentleman's sport and it, and how we do things with decorum, and that's just not accurate. Sport evolves, and you got to have thick skin. Teams move. Players move. It's never as romantic as you would think. Now, this is going to take some getting used to, but I think like everything else, we're going to end up watching it because it's going to be compelling and it's going to be the biggest names, so to speak. There's a couple clubs I'm a little puzzled. I understand why they are there, and you want numbers if you want to be able to pull this off, but it's uh, it's... 
it's going to be something you're going to have to tune in for. You're not going to like it. It's. I also think the, the, the fact that they are Americanizing this tournament because of the American parties involved, Stan Kroenke and the Glazers and John Henry, uh, that this was kind of their brainchild. And the other parties, the Agnellis and Florentino Perez, they were all willing to listen as long as these guys put it over. They've been talking about a Super League forever. So anyone feels like they got caught off guard while your head was in the sand. This, when they keep talking about something and talking about it and talking about it, then it's probably going to happen. When I hear people say that Liga MX and MLS is going to form one time, it's going to get there. I go, they keep talking about it. It's going to happen. So there you are. It was going to be a pretty quiet weekend and this came. And you know, when you're doing podcasts or anything else, this is illuminating. So it's exciting to do that. So we're going to get started. Mauricio Pedrosa, he's amazing. I didn't want to say it when he was on, but this guy's doing it in English and Spanish. Does an incredible job. I think he's going to be a superstar, certainly on the Spanish side. He knows his sports. He watches a ton of football. He's perfect to have. He's an OG. So he's going to join me in the business end. We'll discuss this. Maybe... This is going to be something that's going to have a lot of disagreements, and we'll we'll certainly take it from there. There's other things we will discuss. Opening weekend of Major League Soccer, my club, LAFC, victorious. I was there at Bank of California Stadium. There was 4,000 fans. It was wonderful. It washed over me. It was cathartic to be part of that. So we'll discuss that a little bit, and everything happened in the league. Coming off last week with the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, it's a good time to be a fan of the sport here. Now... With the Super League, the Super League, starring Barnaby Jones, the Super League. Just love saying it's the Super League. By the way, to the parties involved in the Super League, if you need a broadcaster, I'm fine. Uh, I'm okay. You can uh, just give me a ring. I'll be happy to call your games. In stoppage time at the end of the show, I will be talking about the globalization of football. There are some big corporations that are trying to get clubs from all different parts of the world on different continents to streamline them for a variety of reasons. I will discuss what the city the city group and what Red Bull are doing to branch out. And it's all big part of our global game. We're all in this together. We love this sport, whether you're in the United States or Argentina or Bulgaria or England or India or Fiji. We're all in this together. So let's help each other out. The Super League discussion coming up with Mauricio Pedrosa. We'll all get to know it a little bit better. What a day. What a story. Everything from this day forward is going to be different. You're listening to The Soccer OG. Please subscribe, tell a friend, rate and review. Let's party. We are back here on the Soccer OG, and without a doubt, a football OG. Joining me now, Mauricio Pedrosa of Ahora o Nunca on ESPN Deportes. There's so many things, and a breakthrough. I don't want to. I don't want to give you too much credit or uh, <laughs> platitudes because you know. But you're you're you are really good at what you do, and it's great for you to join me. You now partnering with Hercules Goins. I'm sure we're going to talk about Herc here at some point, but appreciate you making some time. Joining me on a historic day in our sport. Could you believe what has happened? Uh, first of all, hola, Max. <laughs> Th- thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and especially today. Because, yes, it feels like a, 
it feels like the beginning of, of something really big, right? Yeah. And it's something really big, but we don't know exactly how it's going to look like a year from today, which is weird and exciting at the same time. So I'm honestly very, very excited after the official, because it's now official, right? The official the announcement. They, they have a website. That's how I know. Yeah. The Super League. I'm going to, before I go further, because this is just to confirm everything here, these 15 clubs, 12 clubs have already splintered off to have a special competition called the Super League. Uh, let me see. Milan, Inter, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, let's say Juventus. 12 teams representing seven cities and obviously going against the grain and a situation where it's the clubs calling the shots here, all their presidents. And we know them. They're like superheroes. Fiorentino Perez, Stan Kroenke, John Henry, uh, Agnelli, Agnelli. They're all, <laughs> they're all in on this. They're looking after their clubs like their kids and they want to, they want the best for their children and now they're creating this splintering away from the league, so to speak, or from the Champions League, which we don't know what's going to happen. And just today on Twitter, it was like one news story after another that the players who participate in this won't be eligible to play in the World Cup, that the, none of the, the Champions League was being postponed, all this stuff. And then, no, it's not. FIFA wants to take the Super League to court. It was in three hours and... I guess the first question I was going to ask you, is this going to happen? And now we know it is. It's going to happen, but what's it going to look like? Which you, I, I can tell by your first answer, uh, are excited. I'm excited, yeah. but I'm also, yeah. you know, it, it, there's traditionalists that are like, we're not going to see the rivalries well, between Liverpool and Everton and this. And I'm like, but, but I, I refuse to let myself get disappointed by progress in sports because it's going to happen. Not even but that's not even accurate. First of all, here's what, what, why I am excited about this idea. So there's obviously a rift between these big clubs and UEFA, right? There's, there's obviously, obviously something not uh, working well between clubs and the governing body of European soccer. It's not, it's not working well, and they probably feel that UEFA is taking advantage of how much money those teams make, and they don't agree, which with how uh, UEFA is pretty much spreading the wealth. And they're like, why am I helping a team in Romania that I don't give a damn about, right? That doesn't now, bring any say, money to the table. It doesn't bring <laughs> any money to me. And why do I have to go and play uh, Shakhtar in winter for a Champions League spot? I don't want to do that. I am Real Madrid, right? So I get that part. I understand. And to all those romantics that are saying, but what about Porto winning the Champions League? Yes, I get it. You are right. I don't have, I don't have an argument against that. That's, that's all true, right? But at the same time, and me being a, a huge soccer fan, as you know, but also very invested in European competitions ever since I was little, right? When I first started watching the Champions League, it was when, when, when Dortmund and Ajax were great and the early stages of Juve with Del Piero, Conte as a, as a, as a Juve player, Zinedine Zidane as a Juve player, right? Fabrizio Ravanelli. Yeah, Fabrizio <laughs> Ravanelli, there you go. Gianluca uh, Vialli. I, I ever since wondered, how would it look like if all these teams that play group stage and then playoff stage, what if it was just one amazing league? 20-some years later, 
it's a reality. But, and we are going to have so many questions regarding how is it going to look, how is it going to work. But my first point is, we're still going to have domestic leagues. That was one yes. of their uh, biggest statements. We're going to play midweek, and every team still going to be a part of their domestic leagues, maybe domestic cups. I don't know. That was not made clear uh, in the press release. So, yes, we're still going to have Liverpool-Everton. We're still going to have uh, Tottenham-Westham, right? We're still going to have all of that. We're still going to have Real Madrid-Valencia. So, what's the big deal here? What's, what's the one thing that we're not going to have? That's my question for those opposing the creation of the Superliga. Do you, do you know yeah. what I mean? But, you, you know, I, and I, I said that because people are acting like they're not going to see those club fixtures. And that's why I brought it up. And I, I, I'm saying this is almost, a, 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 this is a shot at UEFA. It's like you said, it's these clubs looking out for themselves. And we've never really seen this in any sport where the clubs are saying, we're going to take care of it. It's like, imagine the Dodgers and the Yankees and all these teams yeah. come out and say, yeah. we're going to make our own little midweek tournament. And these, or uh, the Patriots and the Rams, and they're like, we're going to do a little thing. And the NFL would be like, no, you're not. They wouldn't think of it. So this is historic because it could set off who knows what else in the world of sport. It's amazing they were able to pull it off. And we don't know what it's going to look like. And, I, you know, UEFA is not a good guy. <laughs> for people oh, no. to go, oh, I, we feel bad for UEFA. I go, wait a yeah, minute. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. This is, this is an organization <laughs> that has done a lot of people wrong. And, and, but it's impossible not to step on feet in the world of football. But they've never stopped piling on fixtures and extra. And FIFA does this, too. And they, and they add and they add and they add. And, you know, they, they don't really think about the clubs or the players and obviously the players still don't have as big of a say, but the clubs do. And I, I find it kind of refreshing. Look, if, if the thing with the world cup, if FIFA takes them to court, they're not going to win. They said players no. can't attend the world cup. That's not going to happen. I go, the clubs no. are in a great position. And you know what I kind of like about it is I heard the format. It's, it's kind of mold, um, molded off the, uh, the NBA so yeah. these American owners, the Glazers who own Manchester United, Stan Kroenke who owns or yeah. Arsenal, John Henry who owns Liverpool are all American. There's this American feel, and I know it's driving the Europeans crazy, but I love it. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good point. I didn't, I didn't think of that before, but that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. That's part of why they hate it. You know it's true. So, let me play uh, devil's advocate just for one second. I'll tell you there's just one. I, I was thinking about this before jumping on your podcast. The one thing that I really feel sorry for is the following. Teams that are not going to be a part of this Superliga, Super League, right? And they have been performing well lately in their domestic cups. Even if they don't win the league, they have a reward, which is playing Champions League, right? So the Leicesters of the world, even Western United this year, uh, what about Napoli in Italy, right? Uh, what about Sevilla in Spain? So th that's the one thing that I feel sorry for because what's going to be the reward? If you finish second, right? Pretty much you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get anything for that. Whereas before you had a spot in European football, in European competition. So now if you are Leicester City, and if you don't win the league, it, is, it means exactly the same finishing second than finishing 14th. 
right? Yeah. That's that's the one thing that I that I really struggle with because and and to to, to the other point, what about Arsenal? Arsenal hasn't really earned their spot in no. Champions League competition. So even if they finish 12th in the Premier League, they're still going to have the chance to play the Super League. So that's the one thing that I – it's obviously not fair, and I wonder how that's going to impact the, uh, the, the second tier of teams that now feel relegated and feel like they don't belong in this uh, very – select group of clubs that are pretty much taking their ball, going away and creating their own league. Right. That's, that's pretty much how it feels like, like, you know, you know, you know, the rich kid in school who yeah. was always the one bringing the ball to play during recess. And, and he like, takes it away at the listen, end. <laughs> listen, you poor dude, you don't get the ball. Cause it's mine. I mean, my, my daddy bought it for me. <laughs> you hated the rich kid. Look at you. <laughs> I was a rich kid, bro. <laughs> I owned the ball when I was in school. <laughs> it was it was a personal story. Look, that well, this is why it's a wrecking ball to everything. Because let's say the Premier League, the Premier League, because you use as an example, is exciting at the end of the year because you're wondering who finishes second, third, and fourth and qualifies for the Champions League, and that's a big part of the sell, and that's not there. And every league will go through that because they're not going to be part of the Super League. Uh, we the French and German clubs, I don't think have agreed on it yet, but I, they'd be crazy if they did not take part of it. The French league, Lil's winning the French league right now. Yeah, yeah. they say they say there'll be one team from France, like we don't know who that is. Right, right. <laughs> but I know, think it's just the German teams that are really reluctant so far. I wouldn't be because surprised. Yeah, and what do you think I, if one league doesn't jump in, that might crumble. The whole thing. I don't think so, but it, it wouldn't be good for the other clubs. They, they'd have to do a contingency and then it wouldn't well, be a super league. That's uh, that's a great question, because what is this league without Bayern Munich? Bayern Munich's the best, right. the, still the champions of, of the world. So and, and, and it's not like a Borussia Dortmund or a Leipzig that might have one great season and then being relevant for a couple of years, but then they sell a lot of players and they have to rebuild and they're not relevant for an extended period of time. But Bayern is always relevant, right? Yes. Uh, uh, PSG, uh, they maybe, I don't know, for the last five, seven years, they've, oh, but they've always been relevant. I, so I, so that's, that's my question. What's going to happen? And, and what's the mindset? Because I understand what the Germans do, right? I, I completely understand their point. Uh, they don't want to be a part of that. They believe it's not going to be good either for business and obviously for competition. But in the end, right, they're still a business and they need to compete against Real Madrid. They need to compete against Manchester United. They need to compete against Inter Milan. So eventually, they're probably going to be forced to be a part of this league, even, even if they don't like it, because they don't want just the Bundesliga to be their only competition from August till May, right? It doesn't work like that. They need Champions League money. And at the same time now, I believe they're going to need Super League money because that's obviously the catch. This is the money that we can attract and we are going to select and we are going to decide what teams are eligible to be part of this big pot of money that we're ready to give out. You do have those teams that could make it to the Super League, and, I, and that excites me because it's an entry point for these clubs, however that 
criteria is to qualify. And, you know, if you're if you're a fan of Leicester, if you're a fan of Leipzig and the prospect of one year making it to that's a game changer for your club. Obviously, that's not available to everyone. It's a very five teams. But that's a you know, that is an olive branch, so to speak, for those big 15, these 15 clubs or at least the 12 clubs that initially did it. Uh, just to a point you made earlier about the super title, and these are super clubs, and you picked out Arsenal. Arsenal, there's nothing about super about Arsenal in the yeah. last 20 years. Tottenham Hotspur had a couple of good years. There's nothing super about them other really than Harry Kane and their stadium, but it's it's not, and they're struggling again this season. But that designation of super, I think, would be at the test, but I would imagine being part of the Super League would cover all these teams in a blanket, whereas they would have the monies, the finances to, to be super for the, from this point till e- as long as this thing lasts. Yeah. These will be the biggest clubs because they will have the deepest pockets. Uh, yes. And then I have one final question regarding that, because I think it's important that we know the answer to this question. Who's funding the whole thing? Who's putting the money? Who's 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 coming up with the? Uh, I I think the initial investment was uh, six like six billion. I think it was J P Morgan is in, is yes. leading it, but that doesn't mean yes. it's their money. It's they're just no kind of- no. They're just exactly. They're they're connecting people and they're having some backup investors, right? But I think it's important that and and, and we need we need clarity in this uh, in this topic because if not, then that's going to be another a weapon for FIFA and UEFA to, even if they want to go to court, uh, to, to court or whatever, to say, listen, first of all, we need, we need to clarify where the money is coming from and, and, and how this is uh, truly a well-funded uh, and, and, good, and a good investment that makes sense for the teams to leave us and create their own thing because it's still not very clear. But again, uh, I am excited about it. I am very curious to see how it's going to develop the next couple of months or the next couple of years because uh, they didn't want to commit to a date, right? To begin, they just said as soon as possible, pretty much. So we'll see. I, I was, I was going to ask you this. Do you believe he's 100% guaranteed that it's going to happen? I think it is. If it doesn't happen by their timeline in 2023, it's going to happen at some point because this they've been talking about this since the 90s i mean there's yeah, always yeah. been what about a super league that could develop so if anyone's getting caught off guard uh that's naivety at the yeah, highest not, level yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah no but doubt. it's a, it, look this has been a fascinating day because you look uh at you know some of the what's being said obviously uefa is upset fifa is upset the premier league's upset the leagues are upset but the Premier League, this the statement they made, it says the Premier League condemns any proposal that attacks the principles of open competition and sporting merit, which are at the heart of the domestic and European football pyramid. That sounds yeah. like something that was said in 1920. That doesn't apply to today's <laughs> game. There's no sporting merit. This isn't this is a gentleman handshakes. This is about money, like every other sport. Look at the NFL. It's about putting yourself in position. And if you have to crush the, I hate saying this, but if you have to crush the competition, crush the competition. Yeah. Look out for yourself. Like I said, it's your kids. (laughs) That's business, right? That's just business. But I, this is going to, I think it's going to happen. 
And I think it's going to be successful. Everyone's going to watch because every game is going to mean it's it's easy to sell the big games of the big name teams. So that's going to happen. And you're going to have the biggest stars because they're going to want to play there. Yeah, I still I still wonder if it if it's actually going to happen. I'm not. I cannot be 100% positive. I hate change, and I love this sport, and I don't want more change. But I, I just prepare change. myself. I love change. <laughs> and again, I'm very curious to see what happens. If it happens the first couple of years, maybe after two seasons, I'm like, hell with it. Go back to playing Champions League. I hate this. This was the worst idea. If maybe. I don't know. But so far, we, what we have in hand, The one thing that I that I that I feel like it's it's just curiosity. I just want to see it happening. I still I'm not again, I'm not 100% positive it is going to happen. But we just have to wait and see, my friend. Uh, I'm going to change subjects because a lot of this is conjecture and we don't really know what yeah. where it's but it's um there's a relief being in the Americas when this happens because tomorrow morning in Europe it's going to be madness. There's going to be lawsuits and this and in this kind of movements and paperwork to be filled out. It's, it's going to be crazy. And I'm like, thank God I'm not there. So we can watch all this stuff from afar, whether in the United States or Mexico or South America, that said, the talk oh, of oh, a, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm te- I telegraph it. That said, that's oh, a great team. <laughs> the, the talk about a, Super League in the Americas between Mexico and Major League Soccer. No one's saying eh, it won't happen. When they talk to the folks in Liga MX, when they talk to MLS, they don't go, that will never happen. They are probably thinking about it and they want to do it, but they have to get all the logistics sorted out and make sure everyone's happy, which is probably close to impossible if that happens. Especially in MLS, when you have new teams coming in and now all of a sudden, if you're going to sell them on a Super League, they're going to go, wait a minute. Uh, why are we on the outside looking in? But even, even when considering some of the teams in all of the Americas, it would seem like that's the trajectory of the sport where we have a global league because the one sport that the whole world plays is football. So maybe there's a league not just with the top teams in Liga MX, top teams in MLS, but Boca and River, Santos and Flamengo in Brazil and... Mm. It doesn't, I mean, it seems less far-fetched now than it did 24 hours ago. Well, there's there's one word you mentioned that I think is key to all of this, which is logistics, right? And that is obviously the biggest hurdle in the, the America's conversation of a Super League. And here, just, uh, logistics was, was the easy hurdle to jump for the European clubs. Uh, they all have the same calendar, right? They all have pretty much the same amount of teams per league, either 18 or any. Uh, they both have the same systems. And geographically, they are part of the same region. Right? What's the longest flight you have to, uh, to take from one city to another? Five hours maybe Listen. or so? If you fly from Spain to, I don't know, Uh, whatever. This is, let me, I know four hours. This is this, this is the sneaky, amazing thing that they did is there's 12 teams right now in seven cities. So some of these games will happen on a bus ride. Yeah. Atletico Real, Chelsea, 
so they can save some money because they're going to be spending a lot of money, but they'll save money on travel. Exactly. So that's the problem with, and let's, let's first of all, stick with the MLS Liga MX. Uh, I like to call it noviazgo. You know, they're dating, right? Yes. Eventually if things go away, go, go good or well, when you're dating someone, you get married. I don't know that Liga MX and Major League Soccer are eventually going to get married. Who's going to propose to who? That's another who's question. Gonna, right? Who's going to who's who's offer the ring? ring? Yeah, exactly. Who's buying the ring? That's a bigger question. I have this image um, of Don Garber on one knee now. Thanks a lot. Okay. So I thought to happen in some sort of fashion. And the fashion that it's more probable to, 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 to be realistic is what is happening so far. Uh, Campeones Cup, League's Cup, where you have, it started with uh, three teams per league. Now it's been expanded to four to five. And eventually they want to have uh, six Liga MX teams, six Major League Soccer teams, and so on. And, 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 and from then moving to uh, increasing the number of teams that are going to be a part of this competition. That makes sense. I don't believe there's going to be just this one big competition and we're not going to have Liga MX by itself or Major League Soccer by, by itself. I think both leagues have to exist and remain and keep on developing what they do. But eventually there's going to be, uh, a parallel to that, another big Superliga between these two. Now, uh, the, the, the wider idea of bringing Boca, River, Santos, Flamengo, Ude Chile... Eh, Nacional, <laughs> Peñarol. I mean, that sounds exhausting. Those, those are long travels, my man. Yes. Those, that thought is hard. And you cannot, you cannot ask Club America to take a flight from Ciudad de Mexico, jump on a plane, fly 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours to Buenos Aires, land, rest, play at the Bombonera full capacity against Boca jump back on the plane, fly another 12 hours, and 72 hours later, play Cruz Azul at the Estadio Azteca. That's a little bit more complicated. It doesn't sound... Right. Doesn't sound regardless of the money, regardless of the money, that's, that's just asking too much. Uh, how do you see the, the noviazgo between Liga MX and Major League Soccer? I think it's going. Do you think I, I, it's going somewhere? Do you think it's going somewhere? I think it's it's. I think they're, they're they might be dating other people right now a little bit because it's. <laughs> so they're uh, not exclusive. They're not exclusive. Right. Well, because I, I think with with the pandemic, they kind of said let's put this on hold for a little. So, yeah, but I yeah, think yeah. I, I think they're looking at this, and if this is a success, they'll be like. And to your point, uh, bringing in the South American teams is probably too far fetched, and. You've got to really ask yourself, what is the real benefit? Obviously, playing those teams is great, but with all the, the negative that you've mentioned, is it does, does it balance out? And probably the answer is no, when yeah. you can do a really powerful North American league with uh, Mexico and the United States and Canada. So uh, I, I, I think they're going to look and they're going to say, wow, let's, uh, let's consider this a little bit more because – you want to keep pace with them, or maybe you have Liga MX, and like you said, like the the Superliga, uh, and you have Major League Soccer, and you have a special midweek tournament inside with the big names. Maybe it mimics what they're doing in Europe. But uh, I I would be stunned if they don't develop uh, a steadfast uh, annual 
competition that even exceeds what they're doing right now. So uh, it's just the, the world know, of the sport has changed a lot in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny about it, though? Uh, remember, it was probably two weeks ago. Yanni Infantino, FIFA's president. FIFA's president of all the people said it would be great. His, he gave his <laughs> blessing to the marriage of Liga MX and Major League Soccer. He said, I think it's a great idea. I believe the sport's going to benefit from this too. They're not powerhouses, but important leagues joining forces, right? And now he's he is having to release a you know his thoughts a press release by fifa saying how he much opposes the creation of the super league right so so this part of the good old fifa world in this part of the world he's like man this is amazing you guys you guys go on and do your thing but now in europe he's like hell no you're not gonna do this not under my watch over my dead body he he's gonna have his hands full for the next couple of years that guy But it's weird that he would say that about this uh, a combined league in North America. He right? had to know this was coming. But that these guys so are weird. all connected. That was weird, yeah. the timing of that. My only thought was he he's just saying that because of the World Cup 2026. Yeah. That was my I, – I believe that was the only reason why it made sense for him to say that. Other than that, why, first of all, why would MLS and Liga Mekis – need his blessing, right? They can do whatever they want. They don't need his blessing. But as they are part of the uh, committee for the World Cup in 2026, he was probably very like, oh, yeah, this, this sounds like a fun idea. Let me, let me give you guys my blessing. But now in Europe, he's like, not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't know. That seems a little, the hypocrisy is not... <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, it's all right. over the place. That's why it's so compelling, all of this. And I can't wait to get more. And I will reluctantly turn the page to talk about other things now. And I'm, people are going to talk yes, about sir. Super League. You'll, you'll talk about it on your show, Mauricio Pedrosa. Ahora, nunca. I'm sure you're going to talk a lot of Super League, but you're going to have to talk a lot about uh, the big game in Liga MX, America Cruz Azul. I was so excited. Got there Saturday night. I watched the game. And then I was trying to I was going to switch channels to UFC because I was getting a little tired watching. It wasn't really a lot of VAR. Yeah. Uh, and these are the just Club America and Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul won 12 straight. The game ended 1-1. So their winning streak ends. They're still unbeaten. They're first and second in Mexico by a lot. Was I, they're yeah. like 10 points ahead of the third place team, which I think is Puebla. So they're going to finish first and second, but they're going to have the playoffs. And the question is, will they meet again? And uh, first of all, I, I don't know if I really want to see them play again. I, I was really excited for this game, and it wasn't that great. I blame America. You watch a lot more Liga. Do you? Uh, Sandia, well, look, it's about results. And that's why I think America is going to probably win the tournament because they're very practical. And Santi Solari uh, is he, – he knows how to play these – he's obviously done his homework, and he knew that Cruz Azul was going to push, and and that's how they play, and, and they are – they're – They're, they have this, this great attack and they surround the 18-yard box. But he let them get the ball and he, he, he got a 1-1 result. And the big question is, is Cruz Azul still unbeaten, going to finally get over the hump? I think they get a bad rap because of Cruz Azul. They haven't won the big one. <laughs> It hasn't been that long. It's been long, but, you know, it's not like the Cubs. But I can't really – it's not apples to apples. Wow. 
But after watching that game, I feel like it's going to happen again. And I, I don't know about, we'll talk about CONCACAF Champions League. I don't think they're going to win it because stylistically, I think it's going to be a problem for them to get results in the playoffs under this. Is, as great as they are, as talented as they are, I fear that Cruz Azul are going to Cruz Azul out again. Oh, uh, <laughs> listen, so let me, go, let me go back to the game, first of all. Uh, it, was, it was not a great game. I was not expecting a great game. For one reason, there was really nothing to play for, right? Like you said, they're going to be one and two uh, when, when the regular season ends. There, there was really no home field advantage to fight for because they both play at the Stadio Azteca. So it truly didn't really matter who won or who lost. It was just bragging rights and just keeping both uh, streaks alive. But other than that, uh, they had probably more to lose than to win. If they were to push hard and play 100%, I do believe that America was holding some punches. Uh, they didn't have Henry Martin. They didn't have Sebastián Córdoba. Obviously, big factor because uh, the, these two players are always involved in creating chances and converting goals. But at the same time, I believe Santiago Solari wanted to see because, yes, chances are they're going to meet again for the finals, right? And you know it's not just the one game. Play first leg, second leg, even for the championship. So I guess Santiago Solari was using this game as their first two or three rounds of a boxing match, right? You're trying to figure out what your opponent's going to do, how he's going to attack you, how you can attack him without revealing all of your uh, potential. That's what I saw from America. They were, they were more focused on trying to control the game and not really uh, going 100%, creating chances uh, no matter what. So, and I thought that was a smart approach. Was it fun for the fans? No. Was it was, uh, what we all were expecting? No. You know, uh, Mr. Chip, you know, this guy who's... Uh, really Senor Chip, yes. Senor Chip, really into stats. He was on Ahora o Nunca, and he said... Wait, you had Senor this. Chip? Yeah, we have him every uh, Thursday. Oh wow, I gotta uh, watch more often. Yeah, he was like, "Listen, I don't wanna, I don't wanna sound like I'm exaggerating, or this is gonna sound like a hyperbole, but this is," and he said, "This is his exact words: the biggest regular season game in Mexican soccer history." What? That's how he put it: biggest regular what? season game in Mexican soccer history. What was his data? Why did Why did he say so, that? Because it was the first time that two clubs were going to face each other carrying a ten, ten, at least a 10-game uh, winning streak. That had That's never good. happened before. So it made sense. But the problem was, as I told him on the show, it all sounds great, but this game is not going to decide who wins the trophy. I mean, without, without Liguilla, without playoffs, yes, this would have probably been the biggest game in Mexico soccer history. But it wasn't. Maybe, Max, maybe a, in what is it, like in six weeks from today, when they face again in the final, maybe that would be the biggest game in Mexico's history. Uh, you think, do you think, would you, would you put some money that they would meet in the final? Do you feel would, comfortable? It would I surprise you. I would be you. shocked if they didn't. I would be if they did not. shocked if they did not meet. Yeah. Is that because the rest of the league MX teams, they're not, they're not holding and some good teams like Leon and, and obviously Chivas, who's not been a top team, but they're all struggling. No, 
No, Chivas is not. Chivas are likely not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Leon, that started really slow, right? They were looking like themselves uh, the past month, but then Toronto FC happened. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what to think of Leon anymore. Uh, but I don't see any other team. Maybe Monterrey with Javier Aguirre, and they have a very, very solid roster, experienced roster. Yeah, I can see that. That, 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 that won the league uh, under El Turco Mohamed. A lot of those players are still part of the club. And Javier Aguirre is a really, really good manager. Uh, but I would be shocked if uh, America and Cruz Azul don't play for the title. I'd love to see it. And look, every Monday, I get on my computer and I pull up every league that you should be watching if you're covering the sport like we do. And I look at the games and the one game, because I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't really earmark them well in advance. So I'll look at the week before and I go, all right, Spain, they have the Copa del Rey, that final, that'll be okay. This uh, Atletico Madrid's playing here at home against Ibar, Real Madrid's playing. The one game, even with MLS starting, the one game matchup wise that towered all the others was America Cruz Azul. And you yeah. know, just, I, I just know, because I know I love what I do, but I see the big game and I get excited. I'm like, all right, that's coming up this weekend. So I was a little disappointed to see it, but. What Mr. Chip was saying and how it's big with these teams, if they have this successful season, and as you said, if they meet in the League MX final, CONCACAF Champions League, they would, could meet in the final there. Cruz Azul's playing Toronto, America's playing Portland, and then yeah. they would have other opponents in the semifinal. It could happen. But you could see, you know, we know America Chivas will always be the number one fixture. But if America Cruz Azul, especially both being from Mexico City, get two finals in them, which is not far-fetched i think i think this is mls's year in the Concacaf champions league but i think if you went to vegas to the caesar's sports book wherever you go the the worst odds the worst money back you would get on any bet would be cruz azul and america making the final that's where the that's where they that's the safest bet right yeah, that makes sense sure sure um now here's the deal you know, and, and, and you Here's know this well. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say I don't want it to happen because I do, and it would be historic and amazing if they would play the Liga MX final and Concacaf Champions League final. You know. You know how we call in uh, Spanish or if, at least in Mexico the Concacaf Champions League. What? Conca Champions. Conca Champions. Oh yeah, I thought you were gonna come up with something really cute. I know Conca Champions. No. Conca Champions. It's well, Concacaf Champions League, no one can say. We say no, CCL in English, and Concacaf Champions. Spelling Concacaf uh, is is rude. <laughs> at least I get. At least now when I type it, it, it does the autocorrect, and it comes Concacaf in all caps. If so I that makes it easier. Spell, if I ask you to spell Concacaf, could you do it on the spot right now? <laughs> I can't. C O N C A C A F. Yeah. yeah, they got to change that. They've got to change job, that. They job. must. People yeah. must laugh at us in UEFA. And well, Comebol's not great either. South well, America. Who's laughing now? UEFA. We do have a Champions League. Yeah. Who's laughing now? Stuck at UEFA. <laughs> uh, uh, I was. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, Conca Champions. I think. I think. America and Cruz Azul have both have their priorities pretty much laid out and it's winning the domestic league i agree with you first of all no one knows what's going to happen with the uh, mundial de clubes world club world cup right no one know what how's how's that going to go down now especially with they want to expand it yeah, right yeah but now without super with, with the super league, oh, I will, yeah. the league 
No one knows what's up. What a mess. Right? What a mess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I all, I'm with you. I think this is the year that a major league soccer team wins the CCL, as you call it. Yeah. And I believe, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to just put it out there right now. Uh, Toronto is kicking out Cruz Azul of the CCL. Ooh. Portland is kicking out the medic of the CCL. But you think that's because of that they are really going to uber focus on the domestic title because especially when they wake up Monday morning and go, hey, we don't even know that's club. Yeah, do we be champions of CONCACAF? Yeah. CONCACAF gives us like 50 bucks and a bucket of KFC for winning this. It's not that great. So let's just focus on the big one, according to them. Well, uh, the second leg of the quarterfinals, right, is I think it overlaps with the first round of the Liguilla, right? Ooh, yeah, it's going to clog it now, up. Now, America and Cruz Azul, no big deal because they're not, they're going to have that bye week, right, for being first and second. So they might not have to split uh, the teams to play CONCACAF and, and Liguilla. They could play but their still, first so, team. They could play but, their first team still, for the CONCACAF. Point, yeah, but still my point is, their mind, their focus is going to be absolutely on Liguilla. And if they the can Mexican somehow, playoffs. Yeah, exactly. They're I just have to say that for playoffs. some of the audience that are no, like. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Uh, but so we're, we're I, educating them, you see, in two languages. Hey, Conca Champions, Liguilla, uh, CCL, Mexican League playoffs. <laughs> it's for everybody. This is for everybody. But yeah, so, so yeah, I think, I think this is the year for Major League Soccer, which is weird because even if they win the CCL, and, there, and that doesn't automatically give you a ticket for the uh, <laughs> Club World Cup, then it's just bragging rights. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, just Crazy. this decision by these clubs in Europe, how it affects everything. Like we were laughing, saying, hey, hey la la la, you got a mess, but it's messing up things. Not really messing things up, but it makes everyone adjust how they yeah. approach things. I mean, no one's going to, you know. It's, Everyone wants to be a CONCACAF champion, but, you know, with the Club World Cup, they're not going to One less thing to worry about, I guess. But um, Exactly, exactly. Hey, you mentioned MLS, so let's pivot there really quickly. And um, the I was at the LAFC game, obviously, an employee there, and there was a great win for LAFC. They didn't have Diego Rossi. He had a, a slight injury. And Carlos Vela, did, and you saw this, right? Explain, this explain to me what happened. You were there. You yes. were there. I was right above him. So he got an injury. He walked out. He made a gesture. And I talked to the guy next to me who in our digital team. And I said, uh, he's asking to be subbed out. That was the indication I got from him. Okay. He had like a thing. And I, uh, Bob Bradley and the, that's how they took it as well. And that's how I took it. Um, obviously, you, you've got to process that a little bit thorough because they replaced him. And then Carlos Vela comes in and goes, I didn't ask to be replaced. But I was... I initially thought that's what he asked for. And I was like, oh, he's coming out. I didn't think twice. Oh, was that, uh, was he indicating to be pulled off? I thought he did. I thought it was a weird, he's, okay. he's, he waved okay. his hand on top. It wasn't yeah. definitive. I've seen it a second time. So you can't really assume that. And the coaches will take responsibility for that. But it was, it's something you don't see, right? You don't no, see that uh, often. Well, especially this being what, the fourth? Yeah, Carlos Vela's fourth year uh, with LAFC, right? So yeah. you would guess, you you would think that his communication with Bob Bradley and the staff is has reached a point in which they know how to talk to each other. And I'm, I'm not saying 
this language thing is just understanding what the other person is trying to say to you. Uh, I saw that and my only belief, um, the, the one thing that I thought was Bob Bradley was so scared of the thought of having Carlos Vela injured again. Yes. And not having so, Diego Rossi. Quick hook. That he saw that he was like, nope, out. I don't want to risk him anything. Out. Which is Probably. fair. It, it's fair, yeah, but somehow you have to be able to communicate with your player to know exactly if he's fit to play or if, if he's asking to be subbed out, which was not the case. But, I mean, in the end, they won the game, right? And it's just going to be an anecdote of uh, week number one of what it feels like to me is the year for LAFC. I, I, I was curious how they would start, how they looked, and they looked sharp without the two key players Defensively, they looked really good. Uh, this is an Austin FC team in their first game, so you gotta, you know, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. But you know, they did that in Miami, and they didn't look this good. They dom- I thought they dominated. They had- there was a early in the second half for twenty minutes. They were getting chance after chance. So yeah. it looks good. I watched a lot of MLS, and I was really impressed with what I saw for it being a first round. It wrapped up with uh, Inter Miami <laughs> and. Uh, we'll talk about Chicharito and the Galaxy. And what Chicharito scored yeah. two goals. He said that was the worst year of his life last year. And yeah, I'm not supposed to cheer for the Galaxy, but I was really happy for Chicharito. <laughs> and the goals he scored were classic Chicharito goals. You oh, know, yeah. from post that to was, post. That was uh, old school Chicharito. But that just goes, some guy who's... It, he, but that's good news. That's, that's good, good news, news because he galaxy. just knows that's, yeah. he, that's a nose for goal. It's great. And they came back and they won that game. Uh, three to two. So Chicharito had a uh, interview afterwards and he was talking about, he said, I'm holding back tears. I suffered a lot. I lost of my grandfather. I miss him so much. And I just want to say uh, with the Mexican community and their, and that, cause I had a friend who was Mexican and he lost his grandfather and we're, we're supposed to grieve with our grandparents, Yeah, but there's such a familiar, familiar connection between the grandparents and you could see that the grandparent with Chicharito and my friend had such an effect in the upbringing of that a, a kid where he's, where he's that moved because a lot of us don't see our grandparents as much as we'd like, uh, at least in my case. But when I heard that and I just saw him so moved, it moved me to see how important, I guess the patriarch of the family, which is usually the grandfather in, in, in certain cultures and, how every, everything comes off of that. And he is looked at like the overseer uh, and I'm getting way too personal with all of this. I just, when I, I saw it, I was like, I said, that was, I wish I had a better, I mean, I had a good relationship with my grandparents. I didn't see them as much, but I wish I had a better one after seeing that. Is that weird? No, it's not <laughs> weird. And, and, and I think it's a very uh, legit feeling. And in his particular case, uh, story is a little deeper because his, his grandfather was his first inspiration to play the sport. You know, he, his grandfather played with the Mexican national team. Right, right. He scored in the World Cup against France. Then Chicharito plays in the World Cup and scores against France uh, 40 or 50 years later. His dad also played. So his grandfather is uh, his mom's dad, right? The one who played soccer. Now, right. his dad also played soccer. He's the OG Chicharo. Oh, yeah. He's the OG Chicharo. So that's why. Good podcast name Chicharito. drop. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, and I understand in uh, his, his personal life took a toll last year, his professional life that was obviously out there for us to see, right. How it all went down, the injuries, 
uh, his level was not great. Uh, the team was not great. He had his uh, couple of uh, things with Guillermo Barrosquelotto. They didn't have a great relationship. So now he needed a fresh start. But also his personal life was he was struggling. I'm not going to go into details, but he was just struggling. He was not in a good place. He is now in a better place. His family was here when he was working out by himself. He hired professional trainer, nutritionist. He really understood that if he focused on being, again, a, his, his best version, then he could balance his personal and his professional life. And I think he's in a way better place right now than he was six months ago. And you can tell by his commitment on the field, his commitment with the team, how he handles himself. It doesn't even matter if he scores or if he doesn't score. Just his commitment and the way he's having a relationship with the Galaxy fan base and a relationship with his teammates. Listen, before the season started, I, I predicted on, on our show and other ESPN uh, shows that he was going to have a fantastic season. I believe he's going to score at least 15 goals. At least 15 goals he already scored. It's off to a great start. Yeah. He's going to go back to the Mexican national team, which I know that is a goal of his to play another World Cup. So, I mean, brace yourselves, because if this is going to, if this is going to be the Galaxy for the rest of the year, if this is going to be the LAFC for the rest of the year, then, Max, what you and I have been hoping for for a long time, to have these two teams be uh, top of the top of the MLS is going to be a fantastic 2021. And that's what Mexico kind of needs because we don't know about Raul Jimenez. No uh, doubt, no doubt. Oh, yeah. You need a guy in front of goal. They don't know who that's going to be. It could be a younger player, but you know, if Chicharito's playing well, you know what you could get with him. So, and this is going to be, this has to be big news in Mexico. We're talking about MLS. Obviously what happened with Carlos Vela and with the Chicharito two goals, this is more and more eyes in Mexico have to be set on this league. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that? Have, well. Covering it the way you do? A hundred percent. Okay. There's still some pushback because there's always going to be a rivalry between Mexico and the U.S. no matter what, right? And a lot of fans are still hesitant to admit that the MLS is here and that a lot of Mexican players are choosing the MLS over Liga MX. And that means, that's got to mean something, right? It's not just, that, that has to mean something. So the pushback's still there, but the attention is way bigger for a lot of reasons, right? Because Carlos Vela has been playing great. He was MVP because players like uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, now Chicharito, uh, some years back, Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, choose to play for the league at, at an age that it was not uh, very common to see Mexican players go to, to the U.S. and play soccer, right? You would have players in their late mid-30s, late-30s playing for the MLS, not anymore. That's not the case anymore. So the attention is bigger. Uh, I know there are a lot of media outlets that are more interested in covering the league. And I know uh, TV rights, I think they are going to have to negotiate in the next couple of months a new deal for broadcast in Mexico and Latin America. And they're going to sell for a much higher price than they did five years ago and they're going to have more suitors and more people are interested and that all adds up 
and is fantastic news for Major League Soccer. Yeah, and I'm an MLS employee, so that's good. That pays my wages, you know, yeah, and I, I make a lot care, of money. So we care for you. <laughs> Thank you, Mauricio. Give a heads up to the folks uh, over there at, uh, at Televisa and TV Azteca and ESPN yeah. Deportes that I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, oh, I, will. I will. By the way, yeah. Inter-Miami, terrible. Uh, Gonzalo well, Higuain, I mean, he was out of one of the most out of shape players I've ever seen in this league. I could not believe. Uh, then you did not see La Chofis on Friday. <laughs> I, I called that game. I called that game with Hercules. And I asked wow. him on the How air. How does that like, happen? How do you, like, you, are you so me? out of shape? They're like, is it me or is La Chofis absolutely out of shape? Is he squeezing that jersey, man? It's kind well, of tight around the middle. I'm like, why Why did they give him an S-size jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Likely story. Oh, listen, that, listen. Iguain, Iguain has earned the right to be out of shape. I guess so. <laughs> I just know in this sport, when you cut corners fitness-wise, one of your teammates have to pick it up for you, and that's never a good, that's never a good recipe yeah. for a good team chemistry. Mauricio, you are the gold standard. This was an awesome conversation. I appreciate you joining me in Gracias. the business end. And I hope we can do it again soon. What And you know what? You'll always remember where you were when the news of the Super League broke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I will always remember that the first time that I professionally was able to express my thoughts about the new Superliga was on the Soccer OG podcast with Max Bretos. There you go. Amigo. Max, but I will never forget this, my man. Oh, gracias, compadre. Gracias. Mauricio Pedrosa. Ahora nunca. He, you can see him on all the ESPN platforms. He does an incredible job in two languages. We'll be back on the Soccer OG as I will give you stoppage time talking about the globalization of the game. This is the Soccer OG. We are back. Time now for stoppage time. I call it that because I can stop it whenever I want with a blow of a whistle. But I give it a nice, healthy discussion. I was going to do this before the news of the Super League. It kind of, it's kind of connected. So as I do, I travel to Miami. I go to Media Pro and I broadcast games from South America. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be boarding a flight Monday. That's what I do. And it's the Copa Libertadores, which is the Champions League of South America and the Sudamericana, which is the Europa League. And I guess it does make a big deal because right now the Champions League and the Europa League in peril because of this Super League. What's it going to look like? Will they coexist? I don't know. A Champions League without Real Madrid and Barcelona and Chelsea and Manchester United, Manchester City is not really a Champions League, is it? So we'll see how that all pans out. Man, what a mess it's going to be this week. So many details to the Super League. You can't stop talking about it. It's such a big story. What does it mean for the South American competitions, quite frankly? Will they be able to take a bigger piece of the pie as they're unaffected with what's happening in Europe? By the way, the Super League, I mean, governments are getting involved. This is bananas. So they don't want it. They want to protect their games. The Germans are like, we're not letting it happen. Boris Johnson going, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sue you. Don't even think about it. So I was calling a game from the Sudamericana and it was Phoenix of Uruguay taking on Montevideo City Torque, formerly known as Torque. 
And the tag city, I wasn't aware of it, but it's part of the city group. Now, the city group is with Manchester City, a conglomerate. They own a lot worth billions of dollars. And while Manchester City has been a success, they have tried to get clubs all over the planet to do a variety of things, uh, develop players. Uh, their, their quote about it is the first truly global football organization. They want to develop players. They want collaborations. They want to push the women's game, esports, branding, etc. cetera. Uh, player exchanges, all of that. So Manchester City is essentially the parent club. And then they started getting teams in their portfolio. This was founded in 2013. It started with some Barcelona academies. Then New York City FC and Major League Soccer, they wanted to be in the United States. And they got there and they got into New York. Then in Australia, Melbourne City FC. Uh, then they got a stake in Yokohama Marinos in Japan. Uh, then Torque in Uruguay. Girona in Spain, Sichuan Juna in the Chinese third division, Mumbai City in India, Troyes in France, Lomel in Belgium, casting a very wide net. Now their intentions are good. And these clubs under that umbrella, although we haven't really seen it across the board, will be promised better facilities, hopefully a good stadium, and the resources being involved with a club like Man City. We've seen that with New York City FC. They got players uh, you know, Jack Harrison, who's now at Leeds, a uh, young Venezuelan player whose name escapes me, but is now playing at Granada, uh, Herrera, Angel uh, Herrera. So you see it in work and that player exchange and the exchange of intellectual properties is very handy. And they've had some success, but you're still waiting for it. You want them to go all in. I love this idea. You love the idea of being able to fund and money and bring that into this. And you know, Dorque was happy to be change their colors and their crest to fall in a line with the city group. So they did it. But now they've got to find successes. So M Manchester City, although they haven't won the Champions League, maybe they win it this year, have been uh, a sustainable success. Incredible. One of the best clubs in the world. New York City FC, they have won, but regular season, but haven't done much in the playoffs. And they still await a new stadium. It's really lagging. Melbourne City FC, Yokohama Marinos, they won the J, the J League in 2019. Uh, the Montevideo City, they qualified for the South American Cup group stages, but still far away from being a major force by any way, shape, or form. But they're in Uruguay, but their goal is to match, to be the third big club in that country with Peñarol and Nacional. Sounds crazy, but who knows? You could certainly get a bigger stranglehold in a place like Uruguay where some money can make a big difference than you could, say, in New York. Girona's in the second division. All these other clubs are a work in progress. It sometimes feels like they're not all in and they leave some of these clubs that are devices and while they help in some way, shape, or form, it, it's they don't, other than having the jerseys and the crest and a few other things, they don't get too far involved. You'd like to see it. And first of all, these clubs, if Manchester City and the City Group come calling, you're like, yes, yes. Most of these clubs also are new in the last 20 years. Yokohama Marino is not the case, but Torque was, Melbourne City, New York City FC, and the others all fall in that spot. So good. I wonder if there's another group that's out there. Now, Red Bull, 
although they cast a smaller net, have been more successful. But there's a lot of baggage involved with that. So Red Bull, their main club is Leipzig in Germany. And you read these reports, they are becoming the most hated team in Germany. No one likes the sellout, quote unquote, uh, nature of the club with Red Bull. And you can't call them Red Bull in Germany. You have to call them RB or something to that nature. It's really weird. But what you can't take away from Leipzig is their success. They're hovering around the top. They qualify for the Champions League. They play, They develop players like no one's business. They have a proper pipeline. Going down to the clubs that they also own, like Salzburg in Austria. Do you remember who came out of Salzburg a couple years ago? It wasn't his first club, but you know, yep, Erling Holland. Now with Borussia Dortmund. Salzburg also uh, a regular in the Champions League. And I think they've won like the last six or se- seven straight Austrian titles. That's success. And Red Bull has to be given a lot of credit. Jesse Marsh, an American coach. The other Red Bull team, Red Bull New York, New York Red Bulls. And they, they have a beautiful stadium. Not in the greatest part of town. They never fill it. And they are really lagging in Major League Soccer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a failure. I think at some point they could really be uh, revitalized. They do develop good young players. And that academy is going very well. And that's something that Red Bull prides itself in. So you like to see that develop. Now, uh, Red Bull, New York Red Bulls are always finishing first and second. They just couldn't get into the MLS Cup. They're now... They're now reassessing things and going through a a cycle, developing young players. So they're going to struggle for a little bit. But I expect them to be back. And again, that stadium, even though it's never full, is fantastic in Harrison, New Jersey. The coach at Red Bull was Jesse Marsh. He was part of the Red Bull system. He gets the gig at Salzburg. And now he possibly could get the job at Leipzig. And he is just shooting up. Now, as an American, we're... Everyone, players, coaches, broadcasters, executives, they have to jump through so many hoops. I know I talk about it here, but it's true. We do. For a coach, and remember what's happened with American coaches, what how Bob Bradley was treated and how some really good coaches weren't given that opportunity. Red Bull gave Jesse Marsh an opportunity. He has succeeded with Salzburg, and that's going to open doors for other Americans. And that's a big deal for all of us. And I appreciate Red Bull for doing that. They also have a club in uh, Brazil. Uh, Bragantino, Red Bull Brazil, they're called. Second division. But they qualified the South American Cup, so there's progress there. And they'll look to find the the fertile grounds of Brazil to develop players. And maybe those players end up with New York's Red Bull, New York Red Bulls or Leipzig or Salzburg. So the Citigroup situation's a lot bigger. And then the Red Bull's smaller and more effective. What is the secret? You've got to do it the right way. You've got to do it. And the Red Bull does it a little bit better because I think they're more uber-focused. Look at it. Leipzig, Salzburg, Germany, Austria, right next to each other. It's easy to do it that way. But they're pushing. Who's next? Who's the next big company that will do it? I don't think there's people rushing to do it because there's a huge price tag involved. You've got to go all in. You can't half-measure this sucker. So I'm just glad they're there. I know they don't like Leipzig and the Red Bull tag. And, you know, a lot of people don't like drinking Red Bull and energy drinks and Manchester City. They don't like that blue colors. But it's a small price to pay to have someone commit to your club. And in this era of the Super League, 
where these teams in the Premier League are terrified because they may not be solvent and they might just disappear because they are going to go in major debt. A lot of them would love to see Red Bull or Citigroup come in there to rescue them. The world of football, folks, never a dull moment. And we're here on the Soccer OG to bring it to you. Thanks for your support. Please subscribe. We'll join you again next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I'm sure something will pop up. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Placido Domingo.